beautiful. Welcome to Beauty Beyond Betrayal. Have you discovered your husband's been having an affair? Do you just want the pain to stop and be able to take a deep breath again? Do you find yourself up late at night googling how to save your marriage, heal from an affair? Do you wake up with the hope that this nightmare would end only to feel crushed and humiliated because your husband acts like the affair was really your fault and now you're left obsessing with where he is and if he's seeing her again? Hey, I'm Lisa. I too was devastated when I discovered my husband was having an affair. I too felt the pain would never end and wished he would just stop the affair and we could restore our marriage. I wanted the weight of the trauma to be lifted so I could breathe again and be able to have someone, anyone help me climb out of the dark, miry pit of despair so I could begin to heal and be confident in me again. But I kept telling myself, he won't stop seeing her. Must have been my fault. And this pain, it'll never go away. Until I found hope and healing in Christ, along with simple techniques that helped me to learn how to recover from the betrayal. In this podcast, you'll discover what betrayal trauma really is, learn simple techniques to heal and recover, and get biblical guidance to help you make the right choices as you heal from the affair so you can be free from the heartbreak and the pain and rise in confidence once again to be the woman God created you to be. So beautiful, grab your favorite latte or a glass of wine, snuggle up on the couch and focus on yourself for a few minutes. Let's dive into what it really means to rise up from the ashes of betrayal and loss into a life that you really desire. Well, hello, beautiful ladies. Welcome back to another episode of Beauty Beyond Betrayal. I am so excited about our guest today. What a privilege to just have Lori Bryson with us today. She is amazing. What we are going to glean from her today through her personal experience, as well as her 20 plus years, in therapy uh, with just counseling multitudes of men and women who have experienced pain, trauma, grief, loss, what she brings to the table is going to benefit you so much. So I would say, grab your pen and paper today because we're going to cover a few topics that are near and dear to those of us who have walked this journey or are in the early stages of this journey of betrayal. And we just need someone to just give us direction. And Lori's going to bring that to us today. Lori, thank you so much for being a part of Beauty Beyond Betrayal. We're excited to have you. Thank you for having me. It's, it is it's a pleasure. Yeah, for sure. Yes. So you bring so much to the table. I so enjoyed our conversation a number of weeks ago. It's just one of those where, you know, you just kind of hit it off with certain people, right? And that's how it was with us. There was just so much commonality in your story, which is so near and dear to me, and just your heart for helping those who have been through not only betrayal, but just trauma in general, grief, the things that were thrown in life, right? And just your passion to see people healed and become whole so that they can just move forward in their life. And so today, I really want to just kind of focus in with our audience, because I know that those who follow Beauty Beyond Betrayal these are women, and believe it or not, we do have a fringe of men who follow as well, who have been betrayed. 
they've been just so wounded in their journey. And I know one of the things that we discussed a few weeks ago is when you have someone come to your practice and they are just so wounded, they're broken, they are kind of in that miry pit, so to speak. What are what some of the first things that you do to help them in those, I would say, infant stages? I'm using your terminology. Mm-hmm. What are some of the first things that you do when someone walks into your office and they say, Lori, I'm beyond broken. I've been betrayed. Mm-hmm. I don't know which ends up. Help me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm sorry that anyone qualifies to even listen to this podcast. <laughs> so um, I try to always come from any question or answer from a place of, you know, I've been there um, in the different side. And so um, from the understanding of if it is a first appointment or first conversation with someone who has the courage to let you into their pain and tell you they've been betrayed, um, you're exactly right, Lisa. I think of the word infant. I call it the infant stages. And I know the idea is, you know, the first question is almost, what do I do? Yeah. And I think that's a natural response because, you know, the world is blown up. And, you know, I know my answer to you is I do very little about what to do more than I say, you know, let's tend to you and how you're doing. Mm. And I, I'm always amazed and shocked that the first thing to go out the window in light of discovery or finding out is any of our sense of we're a human and we have needs. And so for example, right, we'll stop eating, we'll stop drinking, we don't sleep. It, it our mind is automatically, what do I do? How do I fix this? It's in this really shocked state. And so in the very beginning, I will just as gently as I can direct, you know, you, myself, anyone back to your own humanity of let's get back to how are you? Um, and so with the infant stages, it's like I've said, sometimes have you eaten? And if not, we need to get you something to eat. If you can, <laughs> if you had anything to drink, I know you're probably not sleeping. You're up all night. Yeah. Um, just back to a real basic sense of your own needs. Um, in any kind of trauma, but specifically betrayal trauma. Yeah. And, you know, you bring me back to my own experience, right? When uh, D-Day occurred for me, and I remember it so vividly that it was, there was just so much darkness that enveloped me. I felt like a caged animal. It felt like the world was closing in on me. Mm-hmm. And you're exactly right. It, it, it was like my, my instinct of eating, drinking, sleeping, all of that went out the window. It was, it was this hypervigilance of just surviving, like my world imploded against itself. Right. And so 
I shut down. I, I didn't eat. I didn't drink. Um, I would lay in my bed with all my pillows around and I would just lay there. And it was like, you cry out for sleep, but sleep doesn't come. Right. No. And so I love how you say you take them back to the infant stage to get them to recognize you have to take care of you mm-hmm. because we're so focused on what do I do about this situation that has just happened to me? We're so focused in on my marriage has just imploded. What do I do to save the marriage? And we forget about us. Mm-hmm. We do. We go, you're right. The world implodes. And so it's all around you and it's overwhelming. And we, you know, our first instinct is to try to almost save a ship, if you will, that's imploded. And all we're sitting there, you know, we don't even have a wrench. <laughs> so, you know, I'll go back to that. And if you think about it, I, I, I really love working with people and even myself. I'm not, what do you say? I'm not intelligent enough to be able to handle big concepts. So I'm a, I'm a pretty big fan of Jesus and the way he always would just bring us back to a really simple way mm-hmm. to think and manage about life and pain and suffering. And so, you know, infants, remember, they can't see past what a couple of feet. They yeah. can't go very long without eating, sleeping, resting. They can't handle loud noises without startling. Remember the little startle reflex. Yeah. They can't handle things for long. What they need is to be swaddled, to be cared for, to be comforted. And so really, if we can maybe think in those stages of that self, that is one thing, not what do I do, but it's one thing I can do Mm -hmm. in the here and now in the midst of this discovery and imploding, because as we all know, Unfortunately, once discovery happens, once it's found out, I mean, you're going to be there a while. Yeah. It's not going to go away quickly, those first three to four months specifically. And so I just want us to go back to that place. So, okay, um, how, if you've ever been around infants, what do we do? Um, We sometimes make plans and we sometimes have to change them. Infants can't care for themselves. Yeah. Um, They are crying out and that's a signal that they need something. And so when you ask, you know, what are some of the first stages is I just like for all of us to consider seeing yourself like that for a while. Um, And you won't stay there forever, as you know, but your capacity is so diminished. Yeah. So glad the field of just help and therapy and um, in in general, we've gotten to where we actually have a term betrayal trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's and- really, a, yeah. My answer is I'll do very little. And, and I'm curious if you can even remember for all of you mm-hmm. what you can remember and what you can't remember. Yeah. Because the last thing I want to do is overwhelm someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're extremely overwhelmed anyway, like you, your brain, and I know that there, there is that reality of trauma brain, right? Your brain is on overload, your nervous system is completely dysregulated, your emotional capacity, there's that window of tolerance that's blown out, right? So 
you are a mess. And to bring it down to something so simplistic as let's take you back to the basics of what you need in life, eating, sleeping, drinking, taking care of you, bringing safe people around you to help take care of you, I think is crucial. And you have this background of nutrition, right? Yes. And speak to that to a minute, if you would, about why you go there. I loved how you said it when we spoke initially is because now our gut is just a total wreck. Right, right. I mean, all of, you know, our our body is connected in every which way. And so, you know, our gut, it's just the bottom of that, you know, almost that dorsal vagal collapse. And so especially for women and even men too. It's very common, right? We will lose our appetite. And then in others, that stress response will be to, you know, eat more. And even for those that have dogs, cats, pets, we raise hogs. I mean, the the agriculture term will say you go off feed. It's very Mm -hmm. natural in a stress response. And we're mammals, you know, we're humans, but we're mammals. It's a very natural response to just, you know, I would say go off feed. We even can't eat. And I used to do eating disorders for years and years before I started working with infidelity and recovery. And it's all connected in a roundabout way. We could do a whole nother session on that with our bodies and body image and sexuality. But we might just have to do that. We might have to do that. But I just, you know, even for women at first and men, I would just say, okay, so you can't eat. You physiologically, you know, you will, that gag reflex, you can't keep down food. That's again, very normal. And so this is the time I would even say, right, I need you to get all of your calories that you can through drinking. So mm-hmm. when you can go through, you know, the coffee drive through please start putting creamer in your coffee. Please start getting the Cool Whip. Please start drinking full calorie sodas. Please start, if you can, even start sipping milkshakes. I mean, anything that we, we, we don't as much lose our ability to drink. Right. We can bring comfort in that hot, cold as much as we do food. Yeah. I mean, I can't say that enough because again, you, you called it trauma brain. Yeah. We still need those nutrients uh, to start to process so we can keep going forward. So that's, that's just often a really practical way to say, okay, what can I do? Um, and then, you know, some of the most loving things I know uh, people have said is, you know, have you showered today? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, you are taking me back. You really are. Yeah, it's amazing how those are the, the simple things that are uh, just um, natural to us. They fall by the wayside. You know, it's so interesting. I had read a study about sugar. Mm-hmm. And the brain and how the brain actually needs sugar mm-hmm. to function. Mm-hmm. And when you had mentioned to me weeks ago about the simplicity of just going to the drive through and getting a coffee with creamer, that was such an aha moment for me because I didn't correlate the two. But, you know, during that time, you're exactly right. While it was very difficult for me to eat, I could drink. Mm-hmm. And I would live mostly off of coffee and things like that for months. My kids, bless their hearts, they came into that parental role and they were like, mom, you need to eat. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm fine. I'm drinking. And they're like, no, mom, just, just graze. I, that term became a, a term that they used with me. If you would just graze, mm-hmm. just graze throughout this eight hour window, mom. And I thought, huh, you know, if I could just get a handful of blueberries or, you know, just something that would not make me feel ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know for it, it's, it's ironic, but you are saying so so true self-care completely goes off the window. Yeah. Yeah. When you were that devastated that you really truly lose yourself, it's, it's obliterated. It makes sense. Um, So it's a, it's a place to come back to, Hey, wait a minute. Yeah. I can't care for myself, but others are going to remind me, please start. You're not yeah. going to want to, you're not going to feel like it, but we're going to, we're going to go through the motions of this pain from that place of how do we, you know, the basic care, yeah. showering, eating, drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Showers Just, optional, at least yeah. every three days. <laughs> <laughs> at least every three days. Right. And I love that. So, you know, now we, you know, we, we look at that stage where we're in triage you know, mm-hmm. you had used that word where you're triaging and basically three to four months of kind of like this triage stage, there comes a point where we kind of shift a little bit and we start to wake up to the reality of, okay, I'm, I've, I've been through the earthquake, right? Mm-hmm. I've been through the foundational shaking of my life. And now I really want some safety in my life. And now I'm looking at what I need to feel safe again. I need some boundary structure in my life to move forward. So when that happens and you have someone that says, you know, I I need some boundaries and they come to you and they say, how would, how would I start to set a boundary after infidelity how do you start working with them in that regards? And can you give us some examples of some healthy boundaries after infidelity? Mm-hmm. Well, my first response would probably be if you would, you know, allow, I would say, you know, I want to give you a high five. And with permission, I would almost ask you for a hug <laughs> virtually of the fact that you're even saying and recognizing anyone to say, I want to start setting boundaries. I mean, most of my life, I don't know about our listeners. We probably grow up not even knowing what a boundary is or if we can set one. So I love the question of how do I start to set boundaries? It really is a great turning point to start to say someone's starting to recognize their own value. Yes. And that it's worth protecting and safeguarding. So I love the question, first of all. And I love how you just said that. Oh my gosh, that was beautiful. (laughs) Right. You know, if I don't know my value and worth, I don't think I'm worth protecting and I set no boundaries. Um, So, uh, so I first would spend a lot of time saying like, this is great and it's going to be a process like anything else. How do I do it? Well, as best you can, don't be afraid to fail and we didn't say this, you know, when we talked earlier, but, you know, a lot of times too, we get, you know, this mojo, I'm going to start setting boundaries. And then, you know, if you're like me and I first was in this place of, I want to start protecting myself. 
Well, I couldn't even tell the person behind the counter at Subway no when they, you know, got green peppers on my sandwich and I said no. So I always like to say, well, we can kind of start small by even people we don't know where there's no skin in the game and we can work on it. Um, But I know with infidelity, it always is, wow, how do I do this? What are some boundaries I can start setting with my mate? Again, would just go back to, I think so often what I see, we always want to set boundaries from a place of love, not really fear or threat. Yeah. And the biggest kind of pitfall, I'm, I'm curious if we can kind of look at our lives and examine, I think the biggest pitfall we make, and even including myself, is we think somehow boundaries are spoken rather than there's something that um, is acted on. Um, It's really more about what we're going to do and less about what we say. Yeah, I love that. Um, So if you think about it this way, let's say someone is doing something we, you know, we're recognizing it hurts me. It harms me. Mm -hmm. Um, My mate keeps, you know, getting out their phone at night and it triggers me to no end. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's, it's hurting me. Mm -hmm. And I've asked and asked and again, and, and you know, that's really not a boundary. We're just stating what we don't like. Right. So I feel there's a lot of confusion at times that a boundary is just something I'm spoken. Like I've told you, I don't like it. Well, if we can think about it from that place of love, it's actually, again, the action is what I'm going to do after I've set, like you have a choice to keep doing this, but I've recognized it's harming me. Yeah. So I'm not going to be a record on repeat. So what I'm saying out of love is if you can't hear me, if you're going to choose to keep doing this when I've said I want to be in relationship and this harms me, I'm going to remove myself for this situation until you can change. Yeah. So that really might mean I'm no longer going to be in the room with you or I'm no longer willing to put myself in harm's way. Yeah. If that can start to make sense. Yep. Someone texts you incessantly, you know, with really harmful words. The action is I'm not going to text you back and say, stop. It's just, I'm going to remove and I'm not going to respond until you can start to do what I'm asking. So I'd like for so many of us to think about that. Um, They're always from a place of love. Mm -hmm. don't want to ever set a boundary out of threat. It's just, I love you or I love myself and this isn't working. I want to be clear. And really it's about what I'm going to do as the consequence. It's, it's not just this repeat, you know, kids clean your room, kids clean your room, kids clean your room. It's really, I've said this. And if you're not going to, here's what's going to happen. Yeah. So that I can protect my heart. I can protect myself. Yeah. 
And boundaries, you know, when I think about boundaries, I think of them as um, not a fence that we put around someone else, but it is where we recognize this is what I need in my life to be safe. Mm -hmm. And if this action that someone is doing is against what I need to be safe, I need to remove myself from it. Because that's, that's my safety, right? It's, it's like, you know, if, if you are continuing to see the person that you're having an affair with, I can't, you can't have access to me. Right. Because boundaries, again, that God given right of yes or no, you know, if you're going to choose yes to me, I need you to say no to this. And so it, it starts even in smaller ways of you know, if you're going to continue to talk to them, I, we, we all, God gives us choice. We want to allow choice. There's nothing we unfortunately can do to prevent someone from having that choice. But if you make that choice to keep seeing them Mm -hmm. next time, I won't be here when you get home or I might lock the door. I'm going to ask you to stay somewhere else and I will be locking the door. And in love, as best as we can, mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and say what's going to happen. The door will be locked. Yeah. If I know that's where you were, or I will not be available to you. I'll yeah. remove myself from several days from contacting you. Yeah. Or I will only be willing to talk to you about the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me, that, that leads me to ask you this, you know, a lot of times I know with, with my own clients that one of the hardest things is for the one who's been betrayed Mm -hmm. to actually set boundaries and adhere to them. I hear, I hear it all the time, Lisa, I fear Mm -hmm. that if I verbalize, if I set a boundary for myself, and then they do something to disrespect that, and I have to follow through, I, I fear the consequence that now I'm also having to adhere to. Do you find that, um, that sometimes when you're speaking to your own clients that because of fear, maybe it's fear of losing the relationship, fear of being alone, or whatever it is, that there's this underlying fear that causes us, the betrayed, not to stand up for ourselves. And I call it using our voice, right? To Mm -hmm. actually say, this is what I need to be safe in my life. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you feel like it's a place of fear? Absolutely, which is why I'll continue to elaborate even the concept. And, you know, I, I love when people kind of like, what does that mean? I don't understand. Well, great. That's a that's a great mm-hmm. starting point for some more discovery, growth, work, processing. That's why I said boundaries, believe it or not, just like God does with us. He he sets boundaries from a place of love, Absolutely. not fear. Um, And so many times it's even getting that, that, well, then we'll do some more work on 
helping, right? With the self-worth that's obliterated when we feel so rejected that our mate chose this and didn't talk to us. They didn't let us know. They, they chose someone else, all of that. So again, then we'll go back to our own worth, our own love, our own care so that ultimately we can set boundaries from a place of love for our own worth. Mm. Yeah. Um, And so many times, right. We are afraid uh, of losing this person or this life or this marriage that's so dear to us. Yeah. Or we're angry. Why do I have to be the one to set boundaries? I didn't ask for this. Like, you know, yeah, absolutely. We get that. Um, and so if only it were so easy, um, I'm still going to go back to the place that the fact that you even want to set a boundary, the fact that someone's even asking, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. That's the starting place. If I'm starting to recognize I have immense worth and value. And my heart is worth protecting and I'm going to need help. I've yeah. never had to do this before. So. And I think that's crucial. What you just hit on is it really comes down to the point of recognizing your self-worth, your identity in Christ. And God never called us to be someone's doormat. He died for us to have a beautiful, abundant life. And so coming to that reality of you do have self-worth, you do have this beautiful identity in Christ and you, it, it, you know, you can love yourself enough to say no more to the destructive patterns that have been happening in your life. And it's okay. And yes, sometimes the fallout is maybe the relationship doesn't move forward, or maybe there's a timeout in that relationship, but it gives us a point of growth. It gives us a space in which we can now heal. We can now grow and we can become more solidified in who we are so that we can move forward from a healthier place. And I think that's the crucial point, right? So, yeah. So let me ask you this. So, you know, one of the other things that I wanted to hit on is there is this process of grief that happens because of infidelity. We have loss in our lives. We have lost many different of our being, our life, whether it's financial, relational, whether it's something spiritual or physical, emotional, whatever it is, we have losses Mm -hmm. that need to be grieved in the concept of betrayal trauma. So I want to kind of spend a little bit of time of sharing, you know, some of the many emotions and and grief processes that we may experience because of betrayal and that some of the listeners might not even recognize that that is a grief process right can you speak to maybe some of the emotions and some of the processes that we might go through in regards to grief for sure um 
the first thought I think that comes to my mind, um, and I'm curious, you know, how many of us uh, in the listeners that can identify with maybe for the first time in your life, um, as you begin from day one, once you find out the news, you're, you're actually grieving, you've lost something you know, grief equates to loss and suffering. But for the first time, I think in so many um, well-meaning, just beautiful people, yes. as all of, you know, your listeners are, you confront rage. Mm -hmm. And it was profound for me to begin to hear and understand that the human response, the human emotional response to betrayal is a sense of rage. Mm. It's a violent response yeah. to what has happened. And so grief, you are exactly right. You know, we, we think of just the, you know, anger, denial, bargaining, classically what we would consider grief yeah but with betrayal grief ooh, rage is a big one and how to handle that because literally as you know you were out of control rage oh, absolutely. yep and i so mean i felt like a caged animal and you mentioned us being mammals i felt like the best way i could describe it to you is i felt like I had been um, caught mm -hmm. in a, a bear trap mm -hmm. and, and almost like I needed to gnaw my leg off to get to safety. Like I felt like this enraged animal and it was almost like an out-of-body experience. It, it was, it's hard to explain that I became this person I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you wouldn't. And so I love even that biological approach as a mammal that you will do anything at that point biologically to preserve your life. And even if you think about your body, yeah, the, the thing we need most for life is our heart. Yes. God says it, but biologically it's our heart. Once our heart stops beating, we're gone. Right. We will, in a primitive sense, chew off our leg in that moment of threat to preserve our heart. And so that primitive biological rage, there's nothing more threatening that I've ever encountered in, in therapy than the discovery of infidelity. Yeah. Yeah. Because we didn't see it coming. Right. We and it was like someone it. that we trusted. Absolutely. Absolutely. We had no idea. There was no choice given. Yeah. Um, it, it is a violence and a pain in many ways, kind of worse than what we would consider, you know, death. I'm not trying to categorize, but if you think about it, oh, I agree. I'll know on some inherent level, we won't, we're, we're not going to live forever. Not on right. this earth anyway. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So rage, 
is an emotion. I think we can spend a lot of times just helping normalize in that process. And then with any emotion that we're facing with grief, with rage, what we want to do is normalize it, feel it, work through it. So we don't want to get stuck there. You know, so how long, right? We, we want it to be a bell curve. Some are longer than others, but we, we can't stay there, but we definitely have to keep moving through it. So we, you know, we want to look at that. Um, another response that I think is really, is women, we can, we can start to, to really see with grief is we start to get busy. Oh, you're, 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 you, you are, you are literally reading my mail right now. We start to get so obsessive in the most weird of ways. So I think as women, I mean, you can start to look at anything that becomes insanity of shopping or painting or anything almost on steroids. And with women, I can almost see it sometimes with just this cutting off into over-functioning and busyness, which we have a propensity to do anyway. Or even, you know, for men too, I mean, overworking. Oh, that was me. Yes. 80 hours a week. It was like, I wanted to work. I, I, if I could just keep working, I could, I could keep it in the background. Yeah. And again, it's that idea of at least I'm doing something. I mean, think about that. When we talked about that primitive state, I would imagine we have to do anything. And so if you're like me, I admire people. I admire people that run marathons. I I think that's remarkable. I used to back in my thirties, like a crazy person, but now I'm like, oh no, no, no. But if you think about that kind of primitive drive, I would reckon a lot of people, you can do this kind of over under, they could go run a marathon. Yeah. So even in that, it can become in this busyness, this obsession, any way to channel the pain Mm -hmm. that can be grief. And I think again, some of it can be healthier or not, but we can just kind of go, oh, wait a minute. I'm doing that again. So I don't have to feel as much. Yeah. So So I I see it even shopping, redecorating. I mean, some of this kind of obsessiveness. Yes. I see it all the time. It can be like, huh, what's that about? Or how about we just remind you, let's, let's just continue to talk about grief. What do we need to, you know, feel? as we move through that process of grief. And I, you know, when I go back to that, I can remember thinking to myself, if I stop long enough to allow myself to feel the grief, the pain associated with the grief, I don't know if I'll make it out of that black hole. Because it was so dark there. It was like, if I open up the floodgates Mm -hmm. to start that crying marathon, Mm -hmm. it might not ever end. And I might not make it like it literally felt to me like it was going to it. My heart was going to explode and I physically would not make it. It would kill me. That's what it felt like to me. That was how grieve the grievous feeling was. It was so overwhelming for me. And I know that there are a lot of women that have described the same thing to me. But 
Mm-hmm. What would you say to that? Like we we have to at some point. We have to feel it. We've got to process it. We've got to work through it, come face to face with it so that our nervous system can work through this so that we can re-regulate again. We can self-soothe again. What would yeah. you say to a woman that says that to you? I would even say to you, as you were just, you know, going acutely right back to what you felt. Right. And I can see your eyes right now. Face yeah, to face. yeah, yeah. And for, you know, every listener out there. Can we start to say that is such a cry of the heart, Mm -hmm. right? To say, if I start crying, I'll never stop. If I go down this road of pain, I don't know that I'll ever get up again. And that cry is that cry of the heart of, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be left. I don't, I can't handle any more. I can't. And I would just look you in the eye or I would look any woman or man in the eye and say, I'm not going to let you. Yeah. You're not alone. You're not the only one. Right. And I'm not going to let you cry forever, but I'm just asking you for the next 10 minutes. Can we go down in that black hole together. Yeah. I'm not going to let you stay there. And then, you know, once you leave, go back to your business or whatever you're doing to coping. Yeah. But the fact that, you know, we can admit that to someone and the Mm -hmm. most loving thing is you're not alone and I'm not going to let you cry forever. Yeah. I will drive to your house and make sure you do get up. You know, yeah. or if you're in a rage, okay. Right? Yeah. What what are we gonna do together? And we can yeah. come up with the plan and it might land us in prison. And then we're gonna love you well enough to say, okay, well, I'm not gonna let us do that, but we can talk about that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's imperative. Do not, do not, do not go through this alone. Yeah. And if you're listening and you feel so alone, right? You remember there are others out there. Yeah. Find them. Yeah. Ask for help. Cry out. And let's let's bring the spiritual component in here for a second. Mm-hmm. You and I both know that God is leaves us, nor does he ever forsake us. We may feel alone, but he is with us. And I honestly believe that God designed our bodies in such a beautiful, fearfully, wonderfully made fashion to be able to process this grief And to naturally get to a place of being able to self-soothe again and to release the trauma that God has given us that because the way he created us. Let's speak for a moment um, just to the fact of 
you know, the fact that we are not alone and that if we are in a space where we're not able to get somebody physically there with us, with the body, the way God designed it, are we able with God's help to come out of this, so to speak, to grieve in such a manner to where God's going to bring healing through the tears? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think this is a great question. If we can all remember the acute and deepest places of pain, again, so much we want to like you said, I, I I don't want to go there. I don't want to feel, I don't want to slow down. I don't, you know, um, I, I might not stop or I might not get, ever get up. It can be a really terrifying grace to quiet our soul just for a moment. Yeah. But I know, I'm curious if we can recognize when we do, you know, the nature of God is mostly in a whisper. Mm. Yeah. He comes to us in the desert, not to harm us, so he can bring us water. Yeah. So that we can hear. And if we can slow ourselves down just en- enough, I mean, we, we're terrified, right? We want to help me, help me. But in those moments, and even if we don't know who he is, we don't even want to remember who he is, to hear that whisper. And I know for each person, it can be different. Yeah. For some, it can even be, right? Remember going back to that body response? If we can take care of ourselves, start to even nutritionally, start to even ask for help with even a nap right? Sometimes I've, how many times he'll come to us in a dream? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He does. Can return. I know in my own healing, even though it was different, I was on the other side of Mm -hmm. infidelity. Um, Not long. I mean, I, I'd been doing extensive work And it just felt like this, like you said, this out of body, what needs to kind of break through, you know, Mm -hmm. it was like a a shield around me of such shame and anguish and pain. I needed something to break through. I'll never forget. I had a dream and I still remember it like it was yesterday. And it was this whispering over and over and over of a father figure just saying, you're so loved. You're so loved. You're so loved. Mm. And it came to me in a dream. Wow. Yeah. So I even believe like, you know, we're so vastly made that, you know, we can talk another entire series on nightmares. Right. That even means with our deeply unconscious needs and thoughts. But I mean, if we can start to lean into that mystery a little bit more, I, I think that's typically, I, you know, when we can find God in the most unexpected places. Yeah. Yeah. The beauty of his journeying with us through betrayal and knowing that he himself 
suffered betrayal and understanding that he understands brings such comfort. And I know I've had many women say the same thing to me. They're like, when I think about the fact that Jesus understands mm-hmm. my heart because he himself went through betrayal, it brings me comfort. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and he didn't ask for it. I mean, no, just like we did. Yeah. 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 Just yeah. like. And, and most people don't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So Boy, this has been amazing. And before we leave today, I want you to share with my audience. You are a speaker at the Hope Rising Conference. Um, and I just want you to share a little bit about that with our audience, what Hope Rising is about um, what transpires during the EMS, what, what you're going to be bringing during that conference. I would love for you to share that with our audience. Sure. Thank you. Yes. So, um, the audience knows, um, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for what you do, Lisa, you know, everything, your ministry, your podcast, everything you do for helping individuals, um, who've gone through, and are going through betrayal. Um, and even realizing that sadly, it's not enough. You, you know, you don't have a net wide enough to reach the multitudes and hundreds. And so I'm grateful for so many, um, organizations and individuals that are out there if we find them. So a fair recovery is another one, um, you know, for the listeners, classes, um, emergency marriage seminar weekends. That's what I do. I'm part of the therapist retreat team. Um, the most amazing people, um, work at a fair recovery sadly, as you're going to find and gratefully, um, these are usually communities of wounded healers Yeah, that, you know, no one wants to qualify, um, to, to be able to do the work we do, but yet that's, kind of probably um, a great conversation with God in heaven about what yep. he intended all along. So with a fair recovery, they um, six years ago started what's called just a hope rising conference. It's a one day conference since post COVID. Now we do everything virtually. Um, and it just makes more sense because you can reach more people. Yep. So hope rising is a one day conference for anyone at any level, any, you know, far out, if you're one week out, if you're 15 years out, it's just a day meant for encouragement, perspective, just pouring in for anyone who suffered um, the pain and hurt of betrayal. And so this year, it's September 30th. Um, you'll have links to register. You can register at Re- a fair recovery. Um, and I get the privilege of, of getting to do one of the speaking segments. Um, and so and I'm going to be speaking on, oh goodness, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be talking about pain. Oh, wow. But really what happens to us physiologically with emotional pain and distress, as we all know, but just hopefully some, some help and guidance of understanding what happens to us, because I don't know if you're about me, I need to start to understand, to normalize. Yep. 
I need to know deeply like, oh, this is normal. And this is why this is happening. Um, I can move through events in a better way if I start to understand like, oh, so that's why my car is doing this and it's smoking. Like, I need that. So it's going to be a really practical talk on pain. Um, I got some stories to share on it and then really some helpful questions to answer to move people forward because I'm one that I I really believe and I've seen it in my own life that sometimes the questions we ask are far better than the answers. Yeah. Um, and so just some questions to ask. So my talk is going to be really about the pain, the pain, the pain, what to do with it, what it does, how it is and why it's imperative of just the pain aspect of betrayal trauma and what it means for us. So that's going to be my talk. Would you like the name of my talk? Sure. Um, Yeah. I'm going to share a story of how I came with the tagline. Our family has one-liners. We are families of one-liners and we repeat them often and they all have the backstory. So you'll get the backstory in my talk. Okay. Uh, the title um, we came up with is, I don't think there's a band-aid big enough for this. Oh, I love it. Oh, I can't wait to hear the backstory in that one. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be the plug. You don't get the story today, but nope. that's going to be um, in some ways, um, you know, Beautiful. just what we're going to talk about. But I know it's chocked full of a lot of different speakers and many of which are my friends and um, I've I've never heard anyone that that's gone to Hope Rising and said, "Gosh, that was really a bad idea." Yeah. I, I you know I didn't get any encouragement or any help. So I just anyone um, I I would encourage you know we all need to be reminded we're not alone and no one has ever said, "Man, I've just really had enough encouragement and perspective yeah. and pouring in this year." So that's what the whole conference is about. Yeah. Um, and I love learning and. So it's, it's, it's going to be a, a good day. So that's what, that's what is all about. So I'd encourage anyone, um, you know, to register. And the, I think the great news is too, if you can't do it live, you can register and then watch it later. Exactly. Exactly. And I love that uh, ability to do that. And, you know, for me, when I entered into my journey of betrayal many years ago, um, I had a friend of mine who actually attended a Hope Rising conference. And as soon as she found out what I was going through, we met for coffee. And she said, Lisa, let me tell you about a fair recovery. I want to plug you in. And a fair recovery was the very first stop for me in my own healing journey. And it was just packed full of me tremendously. And so I'm definitely in um, that corner for anyone who's looking for those extra resources. It's just an amazing place to go. I'll have the link below in the show notes. And Lori, one other thing, how can people follow you? Where can they find you? Um, Do you have any social media links or anything like that? I can also put it below in the show notes. But for anyone who's like, well, let me just find out more about you. How can they how can they discover you? So great question. I need to get better. I need, I, I need like a 
passionate person like a college graduate to to get me into more social media links. But really, the ways you find me is you can find me um, on the Affair Recovery website um, under just the panel of people that work there. So my name Beautiful. will be there and in my story. Um, and then just different you know, whatever we're teaching on or articles, you can find me there. And then in my own counseling practice, um, I have a website and it's really fancy. You know, I really overthought this the day <laughs> 20 years ago when I went to set up my, you know, employee identification number. And it, clearly I consulted with a branding and I really had this vision for my practice. It was great. So um, I, I'm here to tell you, I came up with really, it's profound, um, Bryson, B-R-Y-S-O-N, which is my last name, counseling. But we will definitely put that below in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that great? I mean, I really, I just got to work and I didn't think about anything you know, which in some ways, right? solutions. It's, um, I can get lost in that. So it's just my name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I have a, a full-time practice. I do a lot of marriage therapy. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's how, how you kind of find me, but thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, honey. You have been such a, just a, a huge array of sunshine, wisdom, just information, all the above. And I know it's just been amazing for every listener to just glean from you today. So thank you again for your time. I will put all the links below in the show notes. Thank you, ladies, for once again, joining us on Beauty Beyond Betrayal and stay tuned for more. Thanks for joining me on the show today, ladies. Really quick before we end today's broadcast, I want to share with you about an event that is coming up and at September the 30th, 2023. This is the annual Hope Rising Conference for Betrayed Spouses that is sponsored by Affair Recovery. You just heard one of their speakers really excited to have the opportunity to bring her information to you. There's going to be a lot more. This is the only conference that is for both men and women who have experienced betrayal trauma. And so it's Saturday September 30th from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. This is going to be live streamed this year. The normal price for this conference is $79. However, they're giving an early bird pricing of $68 from now until July 30th. So the webpage is below in the show notes. It is affairrecovery.com backslash hope slash rising. Again, it's below in the show notes and it will update with speaker information, titles, descriptions, all that jazz by the end of June. So some of the purpose and goals of Hope Rising, they are an affair recovery conference for betrayed spouses, like I said, and their purpose is to decrease shame, offer hope, restore value, and foster a new sense of identity in both men and women that have been wounded by betrayal from their spouses. You know, Hope Rising, their goals are to give hope, a new sense of identity, worth, and value, decrease shame. It's an opportunity to let betrayed spouses know that they are loved, they're not alone, and to break some of the isolation that is associated with betrayal trauma. So I just want you to know, this is a great conference. I went to their website early on in my own journey 
and I found massive tools that helped me along the way. So they have a team of people who have walked through the recovery process. They know the path to hope and the many crossroads along the way. And they know that hope and healing happens in community. So go below in the show notes, grab your early bird tickets before it ends July 31st. Thanks again for listening, ladies, and we'll have another great show for you this coming Tuesday.